Hey everyone, welcome to episode 8 of Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. I'm your host, Josh Stone. So today our guest is going to be Andy. He's a public librarian outside of Annapolis, Maryland, and he's also a regular contributor for the wonderful podcast, The Comics Alternative. You'll hear me rave about that podcast a little later on, but here's a little sneak peek. It's really, really good. I listen to it all the time, and you totally should too. Those guys know what they're talking about. And one of the cool things about that podcast is they review comics that not everyone talks about. They review a lot of indie press comics, a lot of underground comics, and it, that, I think that's really important. But before we get to that, let me talk about what I've been up to at my library as far as comics go. This week was my first ever Comics and Coffee book club, and we discussed The Divine by Boaz Lavi and the Hanuka Brothers. The Divine came out earlier this year. It's a story about two Americans who go to a Southeast Asian country to blow up a volcano for minerals or some secret government reason and end up coming in contact with a group of children who also happen to be a militia. One of those children has very strong telekinetic powers, which may or may not derive from a god that lives in that volcano. And so the rest of the story pits these two Americans versus these group of kids and their supernatural powers. But moreover, it's really about the differences in culture. And I think that's one of the strongest parts of this book. I've seen some complaints that the book is a little light on characterization or a little, a little light on character depth or plot or what have you. I have read it, and I'm here to say that's not the case. I think the book is, is very strongly written. I think the plot is very good. And if you go into it thinking of it more as, like, say, a fable or, or something of that nature, you get more from it. And I'm not going to talk too much about the book because I don't want to spoil anything. This isn't a full-on book review of it. Perhaps in the next couple episodes, we will do a full book review of it. Or maybe it'll be a secret podcast that only people who support us through Patreon will get, which I'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, one of the strong suits about this book, one of the, one of the strong things about this book is the art. The art is absolutely amazing. I can't, and you'll be hard-pressed to find anyone who can say enough good things about the art in this book. So the book went over pretty well with my group. They tended to really enjoy it. Um, there were a few people who who didn't get a chance to read it because they had heard about the book group a little late. But when we all discussed it, even though things were spoiled, they still took the book because they were very interested in, in reading it for themselves, which I think is, is pretty cool. So like I said, this was the first time I did such an activity, and I was really happy with the results. It was important for me to find a book that wasn't part of a series which is why I went with The Divine. It was an original graphic novel. It wasn't volume one. It wasn't going to be a continuing story, anything like that. I wanted something that was all-encompassing so that this book club would not just appeal to you know, hardcore graphic novel comic book fans who are very used to everything being serialized and coming in volumes or stories you know, taking years to unfurl. I wanted it to also appeal to your traditional book readers as well. And I think that was a, a benefit. I think that went over pretty well. 
People seem to enjoy that. People really enjoyed the coffee, if I do say so myself. But of course, I didn't make the coffee. I'm terrible at making coffee. So thank you to the unnamed staff member at my library who helped me make the coffee. Anyway, so I think activities like this are, are very good. And hopefully your library can do something very similar. I know a lot of you who I've talked to, both on the podcast and on the Twitter, have done graphic novel book clubs or are planning graphic novel book clubs at your library. And so if you have done some or if you are planning some, please don't hesitate to talk about them, either on Twitter or you can come on the podcast and talk about them. I think graphic novel book clubs are a great way to get not just you know millennials and younger adults into libraries, but I think it's a great way to expand graphic novel readership into more traditional book reading audiences. You know, your, your, your traditional audience that likes book clubs might not realize that there are plenty of graphic novels that are perfect for, for book clubs. So because everything went pretty well, in November we're going to be doing another comics and coffee event. This time we're going to be talking about The Fade Out Volume 1 by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I haven't read that one yet, so I'm really looking forward to it. If you have read it and you want to talk about it, please hit us up. Here are all the different places you can reach us. So you can find us on Twitter. We're at Assemble Podcast. That's probably the best place to find us. You could always drop me an email. The email is librariansassemble at gmail.com. We have a Facebook account, facebook.com slash librariansassemble. Also, please visit our website, librariansassemble.com. There you'll find information about all the things we talk about in this episode and every episode so far under the show notes page. You'll find things like some of the books we recommend, some of the libraries that we talk about, some of the events that we talk about, all that kind of good stuff. There's links, ISBN numbers, all kinds of cool stuff. We also have a Goodreads account. If you are a Goodreads user, you can find us on Goodreads. I try to stay current with that and up, you know, post all the books that we talk about throughout the show. And I also, in the review section, put, you know, who talked about that book on which episode. So those are all the, the cool social media type places you can find us. One last thing before we get to Andy, uh, please take the time to rate or review us wherever you listen to us, whether it's iTunes or Player.fm or Stitcher or whatever pod directory you use to listen to us. Please, we would really appreciate it. Um, hopefully you have good things to say and you'll, you'll say them online. If you don't have good things to say, maybe don't rate or review us. That would That's fine. But if you do have good things to say, just... Take a couple seconds, hit the star that you feel we deserve, and type a little review. I'd really appreciate it. Um, also, please help support the show. You can go to patreon.com slash librariansassemble. You can give as little as $1 a month. Whatever you want to give or whatever you can give is greatly appreciated. If you give as, as little as a dollar, you'll have your name listed on our website under the Friends of Librarians Assemble section. There's a $5 tier where you get access to special podcasts that no one else can get access to. Then I believe there's a $10 tier. It's been a little bit since I looked at it. There's a $10 tier where you get access to, to that same podcast, but you also have the, the ability to be on that podcast, pick the book we talk about, all kinds of fun stuff. So check it out. It's patreon.com slash librariansassemble. All right. Well, that's all I have. I'm recording this on yet another miserable NFL Sunday for me or in my world. So, yeah, I'm going to head out of here. 
Go cry some more on Twitter. Talk about how miserable my football team is. Should be fun for everybody. Anyway, so our interview guest today is Andy. Like I said, he's a public librarian outside of Annapolis, Maryland. He's a really, really great guy. Has a lot of great stuff to say about comics and libraries. And he also talks about podcasting about comics because, like I said, he's part of the Comics Alternative, which is a great podcast that you should be listening to, hopefully after you listen to this one. Anyway, thanks for listening and stay tuned for Andy. Hey everyone, uh, today our guest is Andy. He's a public librarian outside of Baltimore, Maryland. How are you doing today, Andy? I'm doing pretty good, Josh. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for, for being on. So we'll get to it a little bit later, but just up front, Andy is um, one of the PhDs in the Comics Alternative, two guys in a PhD. You are one of the the um, regular guests on the show, correct? You're not one of the the regular, I mean, you're a guest, but you're not one of like the, the main hosts, right? I'm kind of a standby You're guy. Standby host. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got to have mainly, one. Yeah, I wish I had a standby host. <laughs> but it's for, mainly the two guys, Derek and Andy Kunkka, yeah. who are the original guys. Okay. And uh, I, I kind of fill in. There's, there's several of us that fill in from time to time. Yeah, you guys got quite a bullpen going on there. Yeah, it's so, pretty yeah, nice. It's, it's a really good. I mean, we'll talk about it toward, toward the end of our interview here. But just, I want to get it out of the way up front that I think your podcast is very, very good. And I listen to, you know, the comics alternative a lot. And it's one of the inspirations for this, this podcast. So I'm really thankful that you're on the show and I really appreciate it. Wow. Well, we're, we're honored to hear that. Thanks. Okay. So right off the bat, I want to talk about your, the library you work for was recently awarded a donation of over 75 graphic novels at the small expo press. So can you talk a little bit about that award and, and the process behind it? Sure. The Small Press Expo grants a donation each year to a local library's graphic novel collection. And my library system, which is the Anne Arundel County Public Library System, uh, which is actually headquarters in Annapolis, Maryland, was this year's winner. And I think this was the third year for the award. I know a neighboring county's library system won the award last year. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, and I was very envious since I heard about it. And when we won, all of my coworkers asked if I had anything to do with winning yeah, right. the awards. And Did you grease some wheels? Yeah, and I said, you know, you guys are giving me way too much credit. <laughs> and I said the only thing that I did was when uh, Small Press Expo tweeted that they would be giving the award again this year, mm-hmm. I retweeted and said, I would love for Anne Arundel County to be the recipient of the award this year. But I doubt that had anything to do so with is it. So is, is that the process now for, for some of these uh, some of these grants and, and awards that are given out, just, just tweeting? Like there was no form behind this one or anything? It was just a... They they decide based on their own secret criteria, like a MacArthur grant, or, or like what was there like a form or anything involved in this? You know, if there was, I was not aware, not aware of it. Of, okay, and, and yeah, I, I'm not sure what the process is, but um, I, Just, I know for the past three years it has been a Maryland library. I thought I thought perhaps it was maybe Virginia or DC as well, hmm. but uh, so far it's been only Maryland. So all, all Maryland all the time. All right, yeah. well that's fine. Um, so with the with the graphic novels you got, um, what are some of the titles that came along with that? 
Um, actually, we don't know yet what oh. the titles are, <laughs> but I know that the publishers are going to be publishers like Fantagraphics, Ooh, nice. Drawn and Quarterly, um, maybe even No Brow or uh, Self Made Hero. Oh, cool. Uh, so a lot of like from, yeah, a lot of like independent ones then, or a lot of like smaller press. Yeah, yeah, awesome. it's it's going to be a lot of independent ones. Um, it, you know, it won't be the big two. That's good. I mean, I I like I like that. Well, it is small expo press, right? Um, yeah. Or small press expo. Um, so yeah, that's pretty cool. So are you guys going to be building a little display to to show off your your recently donated graphic novels? I really do want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I understand, they're going to get um, it's seventy five books, but mm-hmm. we have fifteen branches ah. in our system, so it's probably going to be somewhat of an equal distribution. Yeah. But we can still put up a display yeah. even if, if we don't have with all whatever of you have. Yeah, and then you can fill it in with you know related titles or something. Yeah, yes. yeah, that's cool. And so yeah, we're really excited to get this. Yeah, I, I'm really excited for you. I thought no, when you it's... when you emailed me about, it, I was like, oh, that's really awesome. Yeah, yeah. So um. You've also been involved with ordering graphic novels for your library system. Uh, what's your process when you're ordering graphic novels? Like, what resources do you use to discover new or noteworthy titles? Mm-hmm. Well, again, we have 15 branches, <laughs> and, and at each one of those branches, there's one librarian that's designated as a person in charge of the local branch's collection, which means that we take requests from patrons, mm-hmm. and we also try to fill in gaps in the collection. Okay. And, and the first time I was ever faced with that was years ago when this guy came up to the information desk and he had a copy of the seventh volume of the Sandman series. <laughs> and he said, you've got every volume in the series except this one, and I'm donating it so that you'll have them all. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was really nice of him, but it really made me aware that we've got yeah. a lot of gaps in the collection. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so I also try to look at books that we don't have that our patrons would enjoy. For instance, uh, in our children's graphic novel section a couple of years ago did not have Nathan Hale's Hazardous Tales. No. They they did not have Zeta the Space Girl. Oh, Zeta's awesome. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and they have them now. So <laughs> I, I, I corrected just, that. <laughs> yeah, I, I corrected that. Yeah. But... Um, the um, the adult graphic novel section had very few non-superhero titles, mm-hmm. and some of my fellow librarians and I, uh, who share a passion for graphic novels and comics, and, and some of the patrons as well, we wanted to give the collection some more diversity in mm-hmm. the types of books and subjects and authors. But as far as resources, probably my best resource is just going to the previews catalog mm-hmm. from Diamond. And I, I, every month I find so many different types of books there. And I wish we could order them all, but yeah, we right. can't. <laughs> uh, but I, I try to find something from, um, again, from, from some of the smaller presses like Fantagraphics, Drawn Quarterly, mm-hmm. uh, No Brow, First, Second, and try to look at things that, that I think our patrons would like. That's good. And so when you're ordering these, are you ordering them then solely for the library you're at, or do you order them? On a system-wide basis for the other 14 locations? No, that, that's a good question. I think, I think <clears throat> people that are at head, library headquarters make a decision about how many copies of certain titles to get. They think, mm-hmm. would, this, would this be a good title to get for all 15 branches, or would it be better to get them for uh, maybe the five uh, largest branches? Mm-hmm. But we do have a circulating... Um, I, mean, I mean, we have a... Um, 
rotating collections. So okay. if somebody if somebody checks something out from branch A and they return it to branch C, it will stay at branch C. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, been, I've heard of quite a few libraries taking that yeah. on lately. Do you guys do that? We don't. No, we, we flirted with the idea for a little bit, but um, I think it, it got scrapped just because I think some of the branch managers were a little bit hesitant to just all of a sudden have stuff come into their collection that they might not have necessarily want or might not be a, a fit in their collection you know like or sometimes they were they were wondering how the system would re, re, would respond if they had like multiple copies already of a book that got returned there you know so and I, that can be, yeah that can yeah. be a challenge yeah yeah but um well, that's really cool and I, I already forgot what i was gonna say following that <laughs> if i think of it later we'll just We'll just okay. come back to it. Um, so you mentioned that you're taking over programming responsibilities at your library. Do you have any um, comic-related programs planned? We've actually had several in the past. Oh, okay. And yeah, we do have some coming up. We we frequently have free comic book day at our library. And okay, yeah. Talk about this. So a, a couple other librarians I've talked to over the course of this uh, podcast have done free comic book-related programs. So, yeah, I'd like to hear. I, I'm really interested because my library doesn't do that. So I'm really interested to hear what what other people are are up to with that. Oh sure. Well, it's it's really only as it's easy as contacting your local shop. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. have if you have a, a local shop, and our local shop is Third Eye Comics in Annapolis, and they've been really oh, great a, to that's us. That's a really big store too. Yeah, it's, it's really a really, popular. It's a really say. big store. And um, for the past few years, they have given us a uh, quite a bit of. Of free comic books mm-hmm. to, to just give out at the library. And are these the for for you guys? Are these the free comics that are offered that year, or are they just random free comics? No, they are the free comics okay. that are offered that year. Now, since Third Eye has gotten so busy, and mm-hmm. I think I think a lot of libraries are depending on Third Eye. We don't get the selection that we we used to get from them mm-hmm. as far as diversity of titles. Um, so that that has. Um, that has trickled down just a little bit, but we we still do plenty of programs. We had a, actually we had two big seventy uh, fifth anniversary programs. We had two for Superman mm. uh, a couple of years ago, and we had a Batman seventy fifth anniversary program last year. Yeah, that was last year. And yeah, yeah. and then uh, next year I have planned a a program for adults called what is a graphic novel because yeah we've got a lot of adults in our service area Mm -hmm. that that you know understandably are confused by the terminology Mm -hmm. format um so we're going to do that next year and yeah i did something very similar not too long ago i um i tried to do a graphic novel book club for graphic memoirs oh cool my the library i work at is has a a high elderly population mm-hmm. and so i was trying to reach them you know with books that they would like you know like fun home and persepolis and and a couple other titles that are if they weren't if they weren't graphic novels they would really be interested in so i tried to get them interested in graphic novels and i had a few takers but i did before the book club itself i did a a presentation on like graphic novels 101 or something like that and i went over you know a little history of graphic novels and how to read them and all that and all that stuff and it, it was pretty pretty good i liked it if if you want to talk after the show about, <laughs> about yeah i was anything, gonna say yeah. i'd like to like to pick your brain about yeah, that because I that, have, that's I'll, I'll check yeah. when i go to work tomorrow i'll check see if, where i got that powerpoint saved if you're interested oh yeah definitely yeah um, and also next month i'm doing a program that's not directly graphic novel related but mm-hmm. it's called developing lifelong readers 
which will oh, include yeah. a substantial segment on the role of graphic novels mm -hmm. in developing lifelong readers and helping reluctant readers as well. Yeah, that's cool. So when you, um, going back to the free comic book day, so what kind of programming do you do around that? Like, do you just give out the comics at your library when people show up, or do you do some kind of, like, little party with it, or, or what's, what's your approach? Some years we'll have something like we'll have a craft where you can uh, make your own mask or mm -hmm. wristbands or something like that. It won't be anything really elaborate. Mm -hmm. And uh, although this past summer with um, the theme for Summer Reading Club being superheroes, we yeah. had, a lot, I had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I picked was, a good time to start this podcast, by the way. Yeah, that was, <laughs> that's a really good time. <laughs> I had a, a lot of people like, oh, well, this summer we did this. I'm like, oh, awesome. <laughs> Yeah, we, we had a great time this summer. Oh, my God. It was I, All the stories I've just been hearing just through this podcast and on Twitter and just yeah. in my own system and everything, it's been great. So um, you, kind of, you kind of hinted a little bit with uh, lifelong learning or lifelong readers. Uh, what are some of the different approaches you take when you're planning programs for adults and children and teens? Because I know you were saying at your library, your librarians don't really have a dedicated department. They kind of just do everything. So when you're putting yeah. on programs for adults or children or teens, what are, what are some of your different approaches? Like what do you look for in a program? Yeah, that's a good question. The, well, the children's programs are, are really easy because they're interested in just about anything <laughs> and everything you could offer. <laughs> yeah. and, and anything that's superhero related, they're going to come. They're going to show up. Mm -hmm. uh, teens are a little bit different. They will, they'll come if they think what you're offering is cool or if you have food. Yes, you know <laughs> that's the story of all libraries and their teens. Yeah, if we have food, but, they'll come. Yeah, if you've got the food, they will come. Um, <laughs> adults is a little bit tougher. Um, we we don't have a huge adult graphic novel readership in mm -hmm. our area. It sounds like we may have a similar yeah, uh, area. We have a lot way, of elderly yeah. uh, people as well, yeah, but we're a strong one, retirement community. Yeah. One of the things that I, I did a few years ago, I, I also lead a book club at my branch called the Guys Book Club. Oh, nice. And it's, it's for adult guys. And we read and discuss mostly nonfiction, but sometimes fiction. Mm -hmm. And a couple of years ago, I just decided, you know, I want to do a graphic novel. <laughs> so I picked Mouse. And I know oh, Mouse. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. It, it gets overpicked as a book club pick a lot. But yeah. I, I knew my guys would like it. And the funny thing about it is none of them. None of them, Josh, had ever read a graphic novel. Oh, before. wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Mouse was one of the ones I got people to read too. Fun, Fun Home. I got some of the older women to read because it had just at the time it had just won a Tony, mm. and then Mouse because we have a very large um, Jewish population mm -hmm. that really like resonated with them as well. So, I, yeah, I know what you're saying about Mouse. Yeah. So, how did they? Um, these guys who had never read graphic novels, how did they, how did they take to Mouse? Well, they had a lot of questions, and one of the things that I did during the discussion was I gave them a few tips from Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics oh, yeah. to try to help them understand why uh, Mouse is presented in, in the way that it's presented and mm -hmm. why the graphic novel format works so well for that story. And, I, I, again, I guess part of that is just educating the adult patrons mm -hmm. in the community to, to you know so that you can you want to educate them but you don't want to drive them away you know Absolutely, you want to yeah. educate and and entertain so that was that was a really huge step for us that's cool and yeah. and how did they 
since they had never read graphic novels, the mm-hmm. actual reading of it, how did they how did they find that? Where did they catch on relatively quick as far as like the word balloons and panels and all that stuff? And or was there a little bit of a learning curve for some of them? I think there was a learning curve. A couple of them mentioned to me that it took them a while to to get used to it and mm-hmm. to the art style. Uh, a couple of them said, you know, I still read the funnies in the in the newspaper, and the oh, art okay. style was a little bit different Mm -hmm. um but the funny thing is we we only assigned book one and almost all the guys read book one and book two okay uh, because they wanted to they they have to not finish yeah yeah that's awesome um so talk about your experience with reader advisory i know you were saying that that's one of your favorite aspects of of the librarian gig especially when it comes to graphic novels what's been your experience with reader readers advisory and graphic novels well one of the one of the most enjoyable things that i do is and again this goes into reluctant readers mm-hmm. is having a parent come up or a grandparent saying my my grandchild or my child doesn't like to read and usually I will take them to the graphic novel section and say, you know, why don't you try this? Because it's got words and pictures. Sometimes the pictures can help them along if they're struggling with the words because you've got the word and you've got a visualization. So if they're hanging, getting hung up on part of the words, the pictures are there to help them along. Mm-hmm. You know, some, some parents are reluctant to do yeah. that, um, which you've probably encountered too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a lot of them come back and they will say, "This has been great. Can we can we do more of this? Yeah. What else do you have?" So that's that's very encouraging. So what are some titles you find yourself recommending frequently? Um, usually, some sometimes it's like what we call the hybrid books, like mm-hmm. Diary of a Wimpy Kid, oh, okay, yeah. or um, um, you know those types of the Captain Underpants, <laughs> uh, Timmy Failure. Um, I don't think I know Timmy Failure. Timmy Failure is kind of like a wimpy kid book. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's quite as good, but it's pretty. It's he a pretty fail, fun. He read. fails a lot more though than he fails yeah. a lot. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's got a, uh, a a best friend who is a polar bear. So a polar bear is that what you said? A polar bear. Yeah, so it's fun. That's a dangerous friendship. Yes, it is. It sounds like Timmy has <laughs> terrible parents. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, he's not a carnivore. Uh, uh, that's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun just to try to uh, to use that as as a not just a tool to help mm-hmm. kids um you know get over their their reading reluctance but also just to enjoy graphic novels as graphic novels mm-hmm. i don't want them to use that just as a springboard to to get into you know prose fiction mm-hmm. i want them to enjoy both yeah and as yeah and i think we as from from what i can tell from talking to other librarians as well it seems like the the attitude has kind of shifted in a lot of places of how people approach graphic novels. It seems like a lot more parents than than I thought are perfectly fine having their kids read graphic novels and not really be upset that they're not reading quote unquote real books. Yeah, and and that's really been encouraging. I unfortunately haven't seen it as much as other people have. Oh, but um. I'm glad it's out there, though. Like, I'm glad that I'm in the minority and that it seems like the rest of the country might be moving in that direction. And well, I, and I think yeah. I think you're exactly right. I think I think a lot more respectability has come to mm-hmm. comics, and it, it's pretty rare that I find somebody that's really antagonistic. But yeah. you know, every now and then I will I will say, you know, graphic novels have won the Pulitzer Prize. They have. Yeah. They have won the National Book Award. Mm-hmm. 
there are scholarly works on on comics. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, usually that will, you know, they usually have no idea. They're like, really? They they really don't. Yeah, it's surprising. Yeah. So I, I think those barriers are breaking down. And, and in fact, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day that, that mentioned um, we're still somewhat suffering from the Frederick Wortham days. Mm. And I think, I think there's a little bit of that still left. But yeah, uh, a little bit. I think it, I, yeah. I would say even in my experience, that's dying off a little bit more than. Yeah. Because, I mean, even in my the – fir- the first thing I did when I got the job at the library I'm currently at in the mostly elderly retired community, mm-hmm. um, the first thing I did, we happened to get a new shipment from Collection Development of graphic novels. And our graphic novel section was kind of overflowing because, mm-hmm. you know, they don't quite circulate as much as they do at other places at our branch. So I made a display – and put up all you know a bunch of good graphic novels and some of the newer ones to give me time to kind of weed out the the ratty ones in the collection so that yeah. there would be room. And I was convinced, you know, since I hadn't really known that community much at the time I started, I was convinced that I was going to get a lot of complaints about it and stuff. And not I did not get one complaint. And it's, so far, it's been one of the most highly visited displays I, I've made at that library. So. Well, I think I might just start hear. making graphic novel displays at this point. Like, yeah. oh, it's just always graphic novels. <laughs> do, you, um, do you think your uh, your 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 uh, patrons enjoy the nonfiction more than the fiction? Um, the or is few, it about equal? the few younger, like young adult to teenage patrons that we get, they enjoy the the fiction ones. They really mm-hmm. gravitate toward the superhero, especially ones. Mm-hmm. Um, image comics are are really really popular with yeah. some of our younger. Our patrons. Um, some of our elderly patrons, though, they've pretty much really taken to the the nonfiction ones. I was able. There's this. I, I think this is like the seventh time I told the story, but I really love it. Um, there's a an elderly woman who went to my book club, went to my how to read graphic novels, has really gotten into graphic novels since I've started talking about these things at that library, and. I just happened to recommend Smile by Raina Talmeyer to her because I was like, listen, I'm a 30-some-odd-year-old man, and I read it when I was in my early 30s or late 20s or whatever it was, and I and I loved it. I thought it was great. It reminded me of being a kid. It was really good. And so I recommended it to her, and she read it, and she loved it. She gave it to her grandson. She talks about it all the time. So I think I think it's nonfiction enough. It's It's still memoir, but I think it's kind of like, helping to bridge that gap into more like narrative story rather than just straight you know straight memoir or straight biography but yeah most uh, most yeah. of the elderly or older population tends to like the the nonfiction ones i i found that too what you said with smile mm-hmm. i um i'm finding with um some of the other more memoir-based, of course, Persepolis is, mm-hmm. is, is popular. Um, another one that just came out not too long ago that's very much like Smile is Sunny Side Up. Oh, my God, Sunny Side Up. I could talk Have about you read that? that? Yeah, I, but here, I'm gonna, I haven't told this story on the podcast yet because I'm still trying to convince my daughter to do a book review podcast with me. Yeah. Um, yeah. What happened was we, we love Baby Mouse in our house. <laughs> so... Um, I had seen that the creators of Baby Mouse had this new book coming out. So I went on Amazon and looked at the the preview of it. And after the first page, I clicked on view next page, and it said West Palm Beach, Florida, which is where we live. And I was like, oh, bye now. This is a book that's coming to my house now. (laughs) And um, One click. (laughs) Yeah, one click. Oh, great. Here's more money to Amazon. And um, 
and I, we we both you know came. I read it while she was at school because I happened to have the day off, and then. When she came home, I'm like, hey, look what came. And she read it within like an hour. And we, it was, re- oh, my God, I love that book so much. It's a wonderful book. Yeah, I, and I think we're going to see a lot of that when it's it comes gonna, yeah, to I mean, time. I think so, too. We just, after I had ordered it, I went straight to like my children's department at my library. I said, you need to order copies of this if we don't already have them on order. Like this is, this is, yeah, like you said, this is the next smile. This is the next, yeah, yeah. this is the next Raina's Hallemeyer. But yeah. yeah, I think Sunnyside Up is, is really good. And there's there's some other um, I was going to say there's some other nonfiction ones that that we've had a lot of success with. One is Stitches that came out I guess several years ago. Mm-hmm. Stitches David is Tom. really good. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good one. Uh, a new one that just came out that I think a lot of uh, people would, especially people interested in history, would enjoy is Nanjing by Ethan Young. Oh, I haven't. I don't think I read that one. Or, oh, I it's think really it really powerful. I think it's from Dark Horse, <coughs> mm-hmm. and it's about the. Um, you know the Chinese, mm-hmm. Japanese yeah, conflict, um, conflict in if, Nanjing, but it's a story of, a of just a, a handful of people, and it's so well done without getting too um, overly, you know, violent or emotional. Mm. I mean, it's a violent, it's a violent book, but it's got so much a, richness in it. It's a violent it's incident, a, yeah, yeah. very, very violent incident. The other thing that we've had a lot of success with, and this oddly enough, is a lot of the old newspaper strip reprints. Oh, interesting. Yeah, things I've like not, the I've old, that, um, yeah. yeah, the old Tarzan reprints, <laughs> cool. or um, you know, Terry and the Pirates. Oh, nice. Um, you know, any of the Steve Canyon, any of those older newspaper mm-hmm. uh, reprints, um, and, and our library has taken a chance on some of those because those are pretty expensive. To they get. are. Oh my God! Yeah, but, yeah <laughs> they really they, are. They are, but they, you know, they check out really they well. They do. Dick, Dick sometimes Tracy. they don't. Sometimes yeah. they don't come back though. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about it. <laughs> that's been that's been a, sometimes our like our Calvin and Hobbes ones. Oh yeah. Oh my God, those either get damaged really quickly, or they don't come back. And so yeah. whenever, like, I talk to somebody about replacing them, it's always like, well, that is, like, $75, or that is a yeah. hundred and some odd dollars. So is it worth it if it's going to go missing again? You know, when, when we when we ordered those, you know, they came out in those really nice hardcover yeah, editions, but, mm-hmm. but they were so heavy, they couldn't, the binding couldn't support all the weight of the pages. Mm-hmm. So I think we're getting the paperback versions of the, the like the three volume slipcase mm-hmm. edition yeah and of course we're getting the other cheaper individual ones yeah too, i don't yeah. know i haven't and it's been a while since i've looked into the the reprints but i know calvin and Hobbes especially and like garfield and, and a lot of them used to have paperback like smaller paperback versions mm-hmm. and i think if they still did that i think libraries should definitely jump on it like it's a lot it's a better investment Mm-hmm. than the, the big hardback ones. And it seems like it would probably be better for the patrons as well. Like it's less cumbersome to check out and take with them, you know? Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, we have a lot of kids that check those out. Like mm-hmm. you said, Garfield and oh, Captain Garfield. And Hobbs yeah. are probably the two biggest. And, you know, you want something, especially a kid wants something that they can handle easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big paper, <laughs> Not something that's going to kill them. Something's going to fall on their foot and that's right. cause a hurt. doctor visit. Right. So I remembered what I was going to say earlier. So okay. back to the ordering process. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you use the you know Diamond Distributors previews. Mm-hmm. Your for your particular location because I know collection development is different for for everybody. Um, you, when you guys order your your books, are you able? Because I know sometimes those ones that are in 
previews might not be available through some of our our library you know distribution you know right companies so how how do you handle that like do you just is it just like luck like oh, okay so you know baker and taylor or whomever you use happens to have this or do you, are you guys able to use other sources or are you guys locked into a contract with only one particular vendor um, we're pretty fortunate in that most of the stuff that that I send them is available at, from Baker and Taylor. Okay. There are a few exceptions, and they will try to get those. I mean, if it's something that they know that that we really really want, mm-hmm. they'll they'll try to get it through other venues. But I would say most of our stuff does come through Baker and Taylor. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know a lot of the the trades, especially, do end up mm-hmm. coming through Baker and Taylor. I'm not because I don't I. Surprisingly, I don't actually use previews that often, just in life, and I really should more. Um, so I didn't know how soon, because I know previews comes out what like two months in advance. They show, yeah. So yeah. have two, you noticed two or, three, yeah. two or three? So have you yeah. noticed? Does Baker and Taylor already have them in their collection at that time? Like if, like let's say you you're looking now for books that are coming out in like December or January. Does, do they tend to already have them available for pre-order in 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 Baker and Taylor, or has that has that been an issue? Um, it has been somewhat of an issue. Sometimes, if there's a title that's coming out in three months, I'll mm-hmm. just sit on it. Yeah, just until it. Note. Yeah, until it looks like it's going to be out, like maybe in a month. Mm-hmm. And Baker and Taylor usually will say um, not published yet, but it'll have the pub date. Yeah, and the lady at the uh, library headquarters that I send these to, um, I will usually tell her, look, this isn't out yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Can we go ahead and add it to our cart? Yeah. So that when it is, when it's time to do those, um, those carts a couple of months out, would you get these? And she usually says, yeah, we can do that. That's good. Yeah. We, we, and again, we're very fortunate. We have a really good relationship with the people that work in materials management. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're really fortunate. That's very good. That's a, it's a good relationship to have. Yeah. Um, okay, so I've talked previously on this show with with other people about graphic novels being great tools for teaching people English. And I know um, prior to recording this, you and I had a, a really brief discussion about that as well. So talk about your experience using graphic novels to help non-English speakers. We have not had an awful lot of experience with mm-hmm. this at our branch, but I have had, I can remember two instances where adults were coming in wanting to speak English. And obviously you don't want to do anything that, that's demeaning. You know, you don't want to give them a, a children's book that's yeah. so, you know, that, that's, that's going to be demeaning to them. Yeah. But I have gone over to the graphic novel section and especially the uh, kids' graphic novel section or even the teen graphic novel session, section mm-hmm. and, and said or had them look at these words and say, you know, how, do you recognize some of these words, any of these words? Um, do you think this would be helpful? And you could just see their eyes light up. It's like this is something that I can do. Oh, cool. Uh, and, and they really do grab those those graphic novels and it, it's it's like they were looking for something too that wouldn't be demeaning to mm-hmm. them but wouldn't be overwhelming either and i think those the graphic novels really really fit the need for that really well that's good can you can you recall sorry to put you on the spot here can you recall some titles in in those exchanges that 
that you used or that they really like seem to gravitate toward? Well, again, some of the things that, that may not have an awful lot of text mm-hmm. to them, um, something sometimes like peanuts. Yeah. Um, and it's something that's recognizable to them. Mm-hmm. And again, there may not be that many words on the page. Uh, in a lot of those comics or something like, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> Maybe even the, even the Disney stuff like the mm. Mickey Mouse, Donald Duck. Again, those are universal images, so they feel comfortable with the images. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's kind of a, a comfort level for them. They're like, oh, I know this. And yeah, so they, they can kind of yeah. ease into that. So it's usually right something familiar like that. Yeah, and I, this completely not comic or graphic novel related, but I noticed um, a librarian who works with me, she had, and I had never really seen anyone do this before, and I was really impressed with it. She had a non-English speaker come up, and she wanted to learn English, but she wanted to learn it not with, you know, like textbooks or how to learn English audio, <clears throat> excuse me, audio tools. So what this librarian did was she would find smaller novels and find their audiobook components Mm. And she would let you know, she you know would show her like this this audiobook is the unabridged version of this book, so you could read the read the book and listen to it at the same time, so you're you know reaffirming that the words you're reading or the word you know you're saying them correctly or you're you you know that's that's what this word is if you get to a word you don't know so i I thought that was pretty for me at least I'm sure not for anyone else, but for me it was pretty <laughs> seemed pretty novel I was like, oh wow, why didn't I ever think of that? Yeah, you know, we we have some of those combinations. We have the uh, like the playaway, yeah, that has the book and the playaway in yeah, it. But I you know, I, that's a great idea. I, I never thought of doing. Yeah, that. exactly. I never thought like, oh, this would be a good tool for just more than little kids learning to read, or you yeah. know, like or adults learning to read. You know, like it also really good for people who don't speak the language. So yeah, so oh, that's not this idea. podcast, but for anyone listening to this podcast, that's that's another takeaway. Sure. Um, Okay, so I mentioned Comics Alternative already, and you're a regular contributor. You're you're usually giving book recommendations on there. So what are some titles you're really enjoying these days? Right now I am reading the new graphic novel from Jessica Abel, Out on a Wire. And oh, we are... just talked about. I just heard about that. It was uh, on you your have, podcast. It was, it on was probably podcast. on our podcast, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and we're going to be interviewing Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, in the next couple of weeks. So I'm really enjoying that book. It's a really, really good book for anybody that's interested in anything in the creative field. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to, I mean, the book is basically about, um, radio programs, Mm -hmm. podcasts. Yeah. You guys were talking about it on your, um, so just a little, a little behind the scenes here, the podcast we're referring to right now was the September 30th international podcast day special that the comics, alternative did mm-hmm. so that's that's the podcast we that i heard about this on and yeah what you guys are saying is i'm very very interested like I, I was very interested in in this book yeah it's it's a really really well done book i um i i've read a couple of things by jessica abel before but mm-hmm. i think this may be her most ambitious project oh, and nice. it's, so far it's really really good cool so um how about um some other graphic novels or, or comics that you're reading these days that you're enjoying uh, well, I will tell you that we are um, we, we just started another um, 
aspect of the Comics Alternative podcast. Mm -hmm. And that's a new show with my uh, co-host, Gwen Tarbox. Mm -hmm. And Gwen is a professor at Western Michigan University. Gwen and I host a monthly Comics for Young Readers podcast. Oh, nice. So we're going to get ready for that. I can't tell you yet which, uh, which titles we're going to do. But uh, <laughs> what, what we started to do is one... Uh, two titles, one for a teen audience and mm -hmm. one for a younger audience. Oh, nice. So, yeah, hopefully that'll be something that we can we can do each month. Um, other than that, what I'm reading is um, I got a lot of stuff at Small Press Expo that <laughs> I'm bet, trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to work through. I'm just looking at the stack here, and I've got um, a new book called Oyster War by hmm. Ben Towell. Okay. And uh, he did a really great graphic novel on Amelia Earhart a few years ago. Oh, cool. And then I got one called The Understanding Monster by Theo Ellsworth. <laughs> I like the title. Have, have you read that? <laughs> no, I haven't, but I like that title. <laughs> it really looks cool. There's some awesome art in it. And then I, I got the massive drawn and quarterly 25th anniversary oh, nice. Which is a it's a brick. <laughs> I bet it is. I haven't I haven't read an, a drawn and quarterly comic in a while, but I used to really love that that publication or the oh, publisher. I mean, yeah, they got some great titles. They really do. Okay, so um, before you plug the many other things I, that you're you're involved, <laughs> is there anything else you'd like to say about about comics and libraries? Um, just that you know, so many people, and and I don't know if you find this true or not, but so many people that are comics lovers in our area mm -hmm. really aren't aware of the number of comics that we have at the library. Um, yeah. I, meet, I meet people all the time, especially when I go to the comic shop, mm -hmm. and um, you know somebody might point something out to me, and I'll say, "Oh, you know, we have that title at the library too." Mm -hmm. They're like the library has this. Yeah, the first yeah, um, <laughs> the first time I ever noticed is we we have a, a small comic book convention down here in Palm Beach County, mm -hmm. and our library system goes there every year. And the first time I ever went, I noticed just how many comic book fans who also use the library didn't realize that there there's comics in the library. Yeah. So yeah, it, it is nice when you get to to show people that, hey, these things you love are also available for free at the library. Yeah, and, and I don't feel like we're really undercutting the comic no, book shops. No, because, a... you know, and I always tell people, you know, check this out at the library. If you really like it, buy a copy from your, your local yeah, comic and the, shop. Yeah, and the, the reason I think local comic shops and, and, comic, and uh, libraries can work together so well is because, <clears throat> excuse me, how long it can potentially take libraries to get trades. You know, like we we don't get them right when they come out. Generally, like it could take us a while. So we're not really cutting into their sales. If anything, we can help their sales by getting somebody hooked on like a very long series, like say Saga, and then realize, oh well, the library only has up to whatever volume. So if I want to read more, I'm going to have to hit up my local comic shop. Yeah, and and it's tough for us to, like you said, to have every volume of everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, especially yeah, and when when you talk about manga, oh god, uh, yeah. oh boy, that's a whole that's all different. <laughs> I, I had to do a whole episode on manga not too long ago. Just, <laughs> just one because I know nothing about it, and two because it's just it's so in depth, especially it, it, for it, from a library. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, especially. I mean, if you if you um, we had a, a guy that a young guy that used to come in, and he still comes in. And he would say, I want all the copies of Naruto that you don't have, which at the time was quite a few, yeah. or, or uh, 
one piece or something mm-hmm. like that. And you, you realize how how shallow your collection is when mm-hmm. somebody comes in and they want everything. Something that's being published for 30 years now or whatever right. it's been. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, thank you. So where can people find you? What kind of stuff are you up to? If you want to talk about the comics alternative again, that, that's fine. Where, where can people find oh, you? Oh, yeah, sure. Well, again, I, uh, I do blog, uh, not blog, but I podcast from time to time and write reviews for the Comics Alternative, and that's just www.comicsalternative.com. I also discuss comics and movies at my blog, which is Journeys in Darkness and Light at wordpress.com. And you can find me on Twitter at a Wolverton, the number 77. Okay, awesome. And all those links will be up on our website, librariansassemble.com, after this show airs. So if, you don't, if you're driving you don't have a pen and paper, don't worry. <laughs> Just hit up our website, and we'll have links on there as well. Well, Andy, thank you very much. I really appreciate you coming on taking taking the time to talk to us about comics and libraries. I really appreciate it. Well, Josh, it was a real pleasure. Thank you so much for no having problem. me. No problem. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. That's it for this week. As always, thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter at Assemble Podcast. Or you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash librariansassemble. Just throw librariansassemble into the Google machine. You'll find us somewhere. So join us again in two weeks. We'll be talking to Renata. She's a public librarian from Louisville, Kentucky, and a podcaster for The Worst Bestseller, which is a really fun and funny podcast that you should all be listening to as well. So see you all in two weeks. Bye.